From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. It's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we, boy, we move into the month of August and uh, schools are going to be starting. This is indeed the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're Glad to welcome in Marcy Green, the principal at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton School here uh, in Elk Grove. Uh, Marcy, good day to you. Thank you for having me, Bob. Good day to you. I, I love talking to you, Marcy, and hearing all about your school. And uh, I can't, school isn't really starting, is it? Oh, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> um, it, we are so excited to have the kids, but. You know, summer just always goes so fast, and you, it's there's always a laundry list of things that you want to get done. And, I mean, I think that's the nature of education in general, that you always have a long to-do list, and you get you just have to resolve it. You're not going to get all of them done. But um, anyway, yeah, we're excited to have the kids and, um, and excited to get things, get things rolling, get them back on campus. So, so first day of school? Is first day of school is the fifteenth. Um, uh, we love coming back to a, a mass day. Yes. Um, I think it starts the school year off fan, in a fantastic way. So, so we have supply drop off on Monday, so the kids can come and see their classroom, and the teachers, their parents, can come and see the classroom, and and then uh, we roll right in on Tuesday morning with uh, with mass and and getting them started. A holy day of opportunity, as I like to call uh-huh. it. Uh huh, hundred percent. And doesn't it set the tone as to why we're here? No, it really, it really, uh-huh. really, really does. You know, and uh, the feast of the Assumption. Uh-huh. And it's a it's a perfect day to. And I know in in the past few years they've you've tried to open on that day. Yes, because it just makes sense um, yeah. when we give the teachers basically the month of of June and July off. They report in on the first. They have two weeks to get things ready, and then the kids come in on the fifteenth. It just—it seems to work with the calendar most of the time. We actually had to ask Father for grace and get a um, a priest day this year because I could only fit 179 days on the calendar. Mm-hmm. But um, but we we will give them everything that they need in those 179 days. Yeah. So if if if. If I was a student and I was in charge, I'd say, well, let's have summer run until Christmas Day. That would be a good day to start. <laughs> even even if it just, remember when we were kids going back on Labor Day? Yes, after I Labor Day. I don't know. I mean, I guess we went into the month of June is all I can think of. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah I, I remember. In fact, I remember we <laughs> must have been the school district I was in. We observed California Admission Day, which was like the 9th or 10th of oh. September. And so we didn't go back till at least the 11th of September. It was. Oh, well, that's lovely. Yeah. What a great I, I, you know, let's wait till Halloween or something. Uh huh. So, <laughs> so it was always, you know, watch, stay up, watch the Labor Day telethon, right? The Jerry Lewis yeah, telethon. Yeah, right. The Jerry Lewis And telethon. then you knew summer was over and then you went back to school. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so how is enrollment? Enrollment is amazing. Um, we are nearly full uh, with waiting lists, um, trying not to go over 36 in each class. But mm-hmm. when we have people come in with siblings, we really try to accommodate family. Um, sure. Yeah, um, it, it's an interesting dynamic right now because, um, and and we see this every every few years parents that you know really feel like they can't afford catholic high school um because in elk grove it's really a 7 through 12 uh-huh. uh, program we see a little bit of attrition in in seventh grade but those spaces are just filling right up because the people who have been in public school and are recognizing the power of catholic school are clamoring to get in because they don't want their kids in public school and um in middle school, and you know, I was a middle school teacher in public school. Um, my kids went to public school. I'm not um, definitely not discounting that in any way, but you know, um, the the value systems are, are changing, and um, and I think people are recognizing that. So, 
Yeah, it's 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 really difficult because um, in in I guess in the old days, it, curriculums were 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 pretty much uh-huh. ex, everybody accepted curriculums, and now curriculums have become a political football. Well, we have talked about this before. That yeah. you know, I remember teaching you know the the late nineties, early two thousands, when people started talking about the hidden curriculum, right? Yeah. And it's not hidden anymore. There are things out there that are very overtly being taught that are that do not align with our our Catholic value system. And so, um, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm expecting to see a school board uh, <laughs> declare that two and two is five in this district. <laughs> well, I mean? the, the like... sad part is that I have great friends that I know are wonderful people that are teaching in public school, and they're they're there, but this general idea of, of um, this, I don't know if you want to call it an evil, that's just kind of overtaking our youth um, for in so many different ways. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's, it's hard to be a grandparent and see that. Mm. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, fortunately, um, so how many, how many kids do you have total at the school? We are pushing 320 this year. Um, capacity for our school is 324, um, and so that's the highest I think we've ever been at this school. And not only that, our preschool is is full and, and kind of bursting um, because they know that it's a trap to get into the elementary school, but also I think they recognize that, um, uh, you know, there's a couple things going on. Um, we're very consistent in our teachers. Um preschool slash daycare, I know that there's issues with finding qualified people and and keeping them, um, and we've got that. So I think that really helps us. And then, you know, just at, uh, at the elementary level, um, I, I hope that people will, you know, just remember that we have teachers that are here that have been here. We're here all through the difficulties. We won't even use the word, but mm-hmm. you know, our doors stayed open um, in Catholic schools across the country. We talked about this, right. and, and our kids, you know, we're, they're not perfect, but they've stayed on track, and and we're doing everything we can. And I think that's really the big struggle right now is the kids that are coming in from public and and getting them caught up. How I know it's there's been testing, there's been evaluations, mm-hmm. and not in comparison to, to to public schools, but did did kids lose stuff? Um, no, I mean you're amazing. always going to have kids that that struggle academically. That's just that's the nature of sure. And whether they're here or in public school, but all the safeguards are in place. It's we're not letting those kids fall through the cracks mm-hmm. and. Um, and so, like I said, uh, some of them are, were kids that joined us after um, after um, that time off, and and just getting them to where where they should be. So, I mean, Catholic school, you know, there's always that that philosophical question that comes up, especially in um, you know being in Elk Grove Unified. And I was a teacher in Elk Grove Unified, and I pushed those kids, you know, academically because they were good kids, not because they were academically ready. And, and I think we keep going back to the solid foundations of Catholic education where, you know, you, you teach the core subjects and the kids have a solid foundation for that. And if they're going to accelerate once they get to high school, great. Mm-hmm. They're going to do that regardless. And so um, it's all about building that, that core foundation. I mean, even down to, and we may have talked about this before, you know, handwriting kind of went out the window for a long time, but did, we kept doing it. it in Catholic schools. And now all the research says that just doing handwriting penmanship increases the ability for kids to write. Yeah. Um, not not the <laughs> not just write the letters, but but actually process writing. And, yeah, um, you know, it's it's so. it's it's interesting because you. It, it, it is one of those things that you you don't think about. You go, okay, well, we don't. Mm-hmm. We don't handwrite anymore. We we type and we do this and we do that, and in terms of of what uh, taxing the brain or whatever it is, right. uh, it's a completely different process. It's, you're still writing, quote unquote, but uh-huh. it's it's dynamically different. It's like the difference between 
pole vaulting and running the hundred yard dash in track or something. You know, it's, right. Well, think it's, about the cognition that goes into yeah. actually having to spell the words rather than right. that little squiggly line underneath what you wrote and having the computer fix it for you. Well, uh, you know, it's 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 funny because I, I, <laughs> I my my wife told me about uh, the time when she was it was up in uh, Wyoming or Montana where she grew up. She grew up in both states, <laughs> and and. She was in a spelling bee, and the you know, and they, and they just they would uh, do them just uh, from memory. You know, they didn't write them out. Right. A- and they got to the final round or something, and and one kid for some reason, and I can't remember what the reason was, he got to write them out, and he won everything. <laughs> well, have you ever have you ever watched the competition on television? And the kids yeah. are very good at they write it on their hand. Yeah, exactly. They, I mean, they write it with their finger, but they but they are going through the process of letter by letter. Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah, it's important. It, it, it's very important, and it, it's interesting that uh, there are there are a lot of unintended. I, I you know mm-hmm. I I think there's there's a, a million things going on right now. I I I worry about people having headphones in their ears twenty four hours a day. Uh-huh. You know uh-huh. what what is that beyond just what it might do to your hearing? Uh-huh. Um, what 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 what's that doing to your brain? What's it doing? Yep. Uh, to, when is it going to implant the chip in our head anyway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. May, maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. But it's kind of scary uh, to me. You know, to scary. think that I just twenty four hours a day. I have mm-hmm. constant stimulation in my mm-hmm. ears, and mm-hmm. I don't. I don't, you know, I, I mean, I, I've, I've got nothing against music. I love music. Um, and I'm not even talking about the kind of music. Plus, the other thing that, that so many people do, they they really crank it up. Yeah. Well, that's been generations. I mean, yep. all the way back to the Walkman, remember? Yep, yep. <laughs> I know. With the cassette tape and then, then with the CD. Yep. I remember. Mm. They've been talking about that for years. But now they're, like, really in your in your ears. I uncomfortable but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's funny you know you're 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 sitting next to somebody on an airplane and you make a casual comment and they completely ignore you and you think oh well i guess <laughs> i guess i'm being inappropriate and then you look and they got, they got earphones uh-huh. on they're not, uh-huh. they're not they're not hearing anything i mean well and you. on an airplane i'm not surprised my my husband and i have had that conversation many times he gets on the plane he puts on his noise canceling headphones and yeah. he's like okay i'm in my zone I'm like, wait a second i'm over here i don't want to listen to anything i was <laughs> oh man so what what are, what do you do at school ends in in what late may and you're starting again august 15th we're, we're in education we have the whole summer off we don't do anything yeah you just put your feet up right <laughs> right Oh, well, like I said, there's a very long laundry list of things that we want to get done. And um, like this summer, amazing. Um, we we painted all the exterior buildings. We painted the lunch benches. Um, we have gone through and um, just uh, I feel like this summer I got back to where I was, um, where I wanted to be the summer of, what was that, 20? Yeah. Um, and and finally I'm back on that track. Like, okay, what were those things that, that got left because we had so many other things to take care of? And this summer really felt like, okay, I don't feel like there's going to be any surprises. We can move forward and get these things done. And, mm-hmm. um, and I would say probably the biggest challenge of the summer, I was thinking about this when I knew we were going to talk, um, you know, um, we talked about public school, the amount that public school can pay teachers, mm-hmm. um, it hurts us. Yeah. I lost yeah. two sure. new teachers this summer. And so, you know, having to find that right fit and hire those teachers and um, and make sure that they were ready for our kids. And um, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge to find teachers right now. Yeah. And um, But as I've said, every, you know, since I this is my, it's going to my 11th year working in Catholic schools, you know, 
you see God's hand in all of it, and you see why things happen the way they did. It's you know, it's it's a life lesson we learn. But um, but yeah, those are the kind of things we do in the summer, and um, you know, maintenance and and all of the things that help prepare, get things ready, um, and 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 catching up from you know a lot of a lot of uh, reports and things like that. Thankfully, you know, we get a little bit of a break, and and I'm happy that we do that because we need to recharge. But um, but it's a lot of planning. Planning starts in March. Yeah, I, I got I got to figure you. And everything ready for the upcoming year. And um, I have a, a great um, uh, advancement director. We put together instead of doing a um, uh, a report, you know, to you need the bound report about, you know, how the school year's on. We we put together a calendar, all the events coming up in the upcoming year with kids' art, and um, and and this year we finally came to fruition that it became kind of a report on what we've done and what we're, what we're going to and where our kids have been and where they're going, and, um, and so that's been a fun project this summer. So yeah, strategic okay. planning, all of that stuff all happens. Because when you have time to do it in the summer, yeah, I, I, I was going to say once once school hits, you don't have time to do anything mm-hmm. but but school. Well, I was just interviewing one of our new teachers. She's going through the credentialing program, and her her homework for this week was to talk to the principal about um, different things, and um, and and you know she was talking about communication, and I am all about face to face communication. Mm-hmm. So my door is open, and you feel, and I have. 40 employees on campus and so you can imagine in a day there's a lot going on in and out of the office and um and sometimes you get to the end of the day and the stuff that was on your you know hey i'm gonna get this done today right doesn't get done and it gets pushed to the next day and all that other stuff is important too so it's just you know it's a point catch up for that but it always works out the way it's supposed to so (laughs) describe describe your typical day if there is such a thing for a a Catholic school principal? So when I get to work in the morning, um, I I typically kind of just get myself settled before everybody gets here. Um, And and we meet as a staff and do a prayer in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish it was more of us, but, you know, we're all caught in that hustle of getting here and being prepared for the kids. Um, And then my most favorite part of the day is... um, when the gates open at a quarter to eight, I stand at the gate. Mm-hmm. And prior to COVID, I shook every kid's hand wow. as they walked in the gate. Now, that was frowned upon for a few years. Oh, but I said the COVID word. Um, <laughs> but I still stood there. Um, actually, for a couple of years, I opened car doors. But um, but that that is my favorite part of the day is seeing the kids as they come in in the morning. If they're if they're kind of off, kind of mm-hmm. giving them a Hey, what's going on? And letting their teacher know, and then, um, and then from there, it's whatever's planned for the day, um, and and that could be varied in a in a million ways. But I'll sit down and answer some emails, and doors open, and then and then things just start because teachers have different prep periods during the day. So when they have time, they'll come in and, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about something and. Um, uh, we meet once a week. Um, admin, my preschool, te- my preschool director, and my admin, and um, and her admin, and we talk about the week. And of course, there's one day of the week I meet with father. And um, and uh, oh, before all that though, I um, I do birthday cards for mm-hmm. all the kids. So I do the rounds of whoever has a birthday that day, and I walk through the classrooms and deliver those. I bet that's so that going to be your second me, favorite thing. It, of the day. it is. And, it, and it's unintentionally, it gives me a, a glimpse into what's going on in the classroom mm-hmm. without it being um, anything, um, you know, I'm not prying with the teachers. I'm just walking through. Yeah, and um, right. and so, so, yeah, once a week I do walkthroughs and give them some feedback. And, and then it's just things that are scheduled. And we just are off and running. So, and, and then uh, all kinds of things happen unexpectedly i'm sure in a school day with 320 kids between yeah behaviors or parents that are struggling with something that you know you want to meet with and and i found i was just telling the same teacher you know you're intimidated sometimes when parents are upset about something but 
it's really not about that. Sometimes they just need someone to talk to. Sometimes mm -hmm. they've been affected by something else. Um, I think they look to us as experts sometimes in a way, sure. and sure. none of us have all the answers. We just don't. We're, that's not, um, that's, we don't. We just have to kind of individualize everything. Even when it, even, you know, I hear that from parents sometimes, you know, oh, behavior um, consequences are inconsistent. Well, you know, all the kids are different. So the way you handle what they're going through is different because it's not usually about the behavior. It's about something else that's going on with them. So, so 11, you know, so 11 years is, is uh, in some ways a very short period of time, in some ways a long period of time. Has, has, has there been, in, in terms of teaching methods, curriculum, things like that, in, in the 11 years you've been in Catholic education, has, has there been change? In Catholic education, mm -hmm. um, I think... We I still think believe yes. in Jesus. I think yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is number one. I think, um, I think personally, I have been a lot more vocal about mission first uh -huh. and, 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 and trying to uh, have parents understand that you know, if you're there first, all the other stuff is going to fall into place. Um, we're definitely preparing the kids academically, but, but you know, the goal is to heaven, not that's, to that's, Harvard, whatever, that's, wherever that's, that thing know, goes. I, the first time I heard you say that, I thought, that's so beautiful. You know, that's the goal. That's what sets us apart, yeah. right? I mean, that's what makes us different. And, um, and because we're on that track, um, the other stuff is easier, Yeah, I think, you know? Um, so anyway, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, uh, cur curriculums change, oh, curriculum. change, yeah. change with the times too. I no, mean, you yeah. Know, so I would say the only thing that has really changed that I'm seeing is I was very adamantly opposed to, you know, the, the one-to-one -one devices for kids. And then, mm -hmm. and then we got hit with the, the necessity of it. And now we've, we've brought things in in such a way that it's there as a tool, but we're also teaching kids the responsibility of that. Mm -hmm. That's part of the curriculum that we're teaching. Mm -hmm. um, when we accredited back six years ago, um, that was one of our goals, was to make sure that when you are on a device that you're safe and that you're doing things, you know, properly and that, you know, you're not... right. Um, going to get yourself into any kind of harm well, or harming and, others, right? Well, I mean, you're just in in eleven years, look how dramatically the technology has changed. Yes, yes. And and the and 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 what kids are what kids are coming in with? Yeah, you know. Um, so, yeah. And and just but the curriculum. No, I mean because parents will say that. Um, you know, we don't like what the curriculum is being taught, and we say. Standards and curriculum are two different things. We have the standards that mm -hmm. are state standards that were, that were mandated to meet for the kids, but we can use the materials that we choose to use to teach that. Right. So, so no, not really. I, I would say um, the benefit that I have coming from um, a public school, and especially Elk Grove Unified, which I will um, you know, tip my hat to them, when I was going through and when I was a new teacher, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was um, enough funding to make sure that teachers were highly trained. Mm -hmm. And and I think we have teachers that come in in Catholic school um, that are good, good teachers, but sometimes they end up in a grade that, you know, they may not have been trained for. And so that has been a passion for me is to bring that training in. And, and still we're partnering with Elk Grove Unified and like they're teaching our primary teachers kindergarten through third grade how to teach the instruction of reading that's mm -hmm. powerful um right now we're partnering with um Notre Dame I've got a math teacher who is doing a math leadership program and she is learning how to not only teach math but to also teach math to the teachers oh wow and so those are those are powerful things that we've needed, and it's coming to fruition. Um, you know, because we've got a good we've got a good system at the diocesan level. 
So how does the how does the credentialing program work? In I mean, I remember uh, going th- going through it decades ago. But how how does that work in the state of California? So, you know, we've been really privileged to uh, host students from USF. Mm -hmm. I've got right now three teachers who finished the the USF credentialing program Mm -hmm. and worked here as aides while they were doing that. So what a powerful way to, to, to understand because... When I was a mentor teacher prior to Catholic school, um, I always advised my teachers, you're going to learn all these things that may or may not help you. They're going to help you get organized as a teacher. Um, they're going to help you think about how to, how to prepare, but you're also going to be given materials that you're never going to cover when you're in, um, in, uh, in the credentialing program. Um, but you learn a lot from observing other teachers. Mm-hmm. And what happens is you do your student teaching, and then you're done, and then you're, you've got your own classroom. And so sometimes you don't know what to observe and what to um, to take in from other teachers. And so having the USF students here and watching the teachers as aides in the classroom, super powerful. But I, like I said, I, as a mentor teacher, I always said, go back after you do that and mm-hmm. leave yourself time to watch because then you'll know what you don't know and you'll look for what you need to improve your teaching skills. So it's not really about the curriculum. It's more about knowing how to deliver, knowing how to time, um, how to, how to time manage, how to um, manage your classroom. And then that makes delivering the instruction so much easier if you've got all those other pieces in place and they're um, intuitive to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what you gain through the program, hopefully, if you're getting the what, what you really need, because you get a sense of what is comfortable as a teacher and what routines work for you, because you have to do it as second nature. You can't do it because someone else is doing it that way. And then then you can deliver instruction very easily if, you, if you've got your own routines in place and the kids feel comfortable with that. So, are places like USF, Notre Dame, uh, other Catholic schools are they are they training people that they're not necessarily the the school's goal, but the students' goal is to teach in a Catholic uh, school? Not necessarily. I mean, mm-hmm. one of our teachers we got by accident. She just loved being here and has stayed. Um, it's um, the the benefit that we have in in holding them is that. I think once they're here, they recognize mission, and they, you know, the, then that faith piece takes over. But they also get a forty percent discount on their tuition if they're working in a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not it does not necessarily. I've had people that have just come and said, "Hey, can I volunteer because I want to get a discount?" Mm-hmm. But the teachers that we have are all in, and a lot of them were actually aides prior. And I said, "Hey, you should go back and get your credential now." a perfect opportunity and um and that's just worked so. so most most of the most presumably most of the teachers credential in california went through uh, a, a public university not a catholic university um you mean for their undergraduate work yeah the undergraduate or even their, their credentialing it's, i think it's a variety mm-hmm. i um mm-hmm. i went through catholic school for my undergraduate work but then went to Public, you know, mm-hmm. I I went to another university for my credential. Right. And now there's a lot of online. Um, you know, there was online options. I don't think that I think those are kind of out the window now. I've got one teacher that's going that aid aid slash teacher that's going to um, Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. So I've got two student teachers right now, three that have graduated, and then yeah. So I mean, that's a big piece. Um, Patty coaches at um. um St. Ignatius mm-hmm. kind of turned me on to that when I became a branding principal, and it's it's worked. Now, there's just not a lot of people going into the profession right now, so that's hard. But if you can take the people that you have that are already here for mission and you see the gift in them and get them credentialed, I think that's, that's the way to go. And credentialing is usually a year past the bachelor's? It's um, about a year and a half. Uh-huh. And part of that is your student teaching. Right, right. So. Are there days, Marcy, when you miss the classroom? 
You know, yes. Um, but, you know, and I thought, oh, I'll go back. But I was, uh, as I said, I was just talking to this teacher that I, I never thought that I would be teaching teachers, which I think is kind of what you do as a principal. And um, and that was my role when I was at the pastoral center. Um, and I didn't think I'd ever like that. And now I, I mean, I, I you know, you get older. <laughs> you just know what your limitations are, I guess. Um, but I, I do, you know, if needed, I will. Um, I'm blessed to have a vice principal who um, is right out of the classroom, and she's kind of taken that piece on for me, mm-hmm. and and it allows me, I, you know, I think if you look at it as um, kind of how the high school's that principal-president model, right? Um, you kind of need that even in the elementary schools because you need somebody that's doing the business side of it, mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately... And that was my first before I even got my credential. I was a business major. And so, you know, that piece has kind of just taken over for me. Um, and um, and I, But I still get to be with the kids, so I kind of have the best of both worlds. So. Oh, that's well put. Well put. Yeah. Well, Marcy, it's always so great to talk with you. And uh, God's blessings to to yeah. you and and all of 320 kids and yes. uh, all your all your uh, faculty and staff there uh, mm-hmm. everybody that that makes it all work um, um, and give a special uh, hug to your husband for me will you I will and thank you Bob because every time I talk to you it just validates why I love what I do and, and thank you for giving me that opportunity oh so. absolutely we, we love having you on and uh, we'll look forward to our paths crossing again soon Sounds great. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Marcy. Yeah, you too. That's uh, that's uh, Marcy Green, the uh, principal at uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in uh, Elk Grove, and uh, I think she said they had uh, maybe four openings. Uh, Not sure which classes those are, but uh, uh, the it during uh, during COVID, uh, the number number of uh, people attending Catholic schools went up. And have continued to go up, and uh, I guess they have retained the people who came over because uh, they wanted a school that was open. And the the Catholic schools managed to figure out a way to uh, follow all the rules, and there were a lot. and And they varied from county to county. And uh, we have Catholic schools in a, a number of counties, not uh, here in the Diocese of Sacramento, just just one, not just one county. And uh, it, that has really. Uh, um, people came over because they were open and uh, uh, have stayed, even though you know all schools are open now. And uh, but but they uh, uh, stayed because they liked what what was happening. So um, it's it's a very very encouraging sign. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 
Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights, and we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. Uh, this is Bishop William K. Wiegand, the Bishop Emeritus of Sacramento, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Denning. Thank you, Bishop Wiegand, for all you have done and all you continue to do for our great Diocese of Sacramento, and thank you for that introduction. And speaking of introductions, we're welcoming, welcoming in Moises de Leon. Uh, appreciate you all being with us. No, thank you, Bob. Is Moises, is that like Moses? Yes, uh, oh. just the Spanish version of it. Very good. It's just got an eye in it. <laughs> yes. So yeah. the biblical Moses, he did he drop the eye? He did. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, did you know any Moises growing up? Uh, no, not really, except my father. It was until we moved uh, uh, up north uh, in the Bay Area. That's mm-hmm. when I found a couple other people. Did you? But it took me a while to really accept my uh, my first name because really um, every time I would hear Moises, I would refer to, I would think to to my father. So right before high school, I always accepted my second name as my only name, Roberto. Yes, which uh, is my first name. Oh, it is. Yes, <laughs> uh, and I just eventually uh, for high school, um, I officially. Had, adopted it 100% and ever since then I've been using it. Now it's it's interesting because when you're when you're Bob when you're a little kid some people go with Robert, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh when I was a little kid it was it was Bobby your little league coach, your catechism teacher, they all called you Bobby. <laughs> and and I I never really moved from my hometown. Okay. So there's still <laughs> a generation that calls me Bobby. You know and people my my kids look at me and say, "Did he just call you Bobby?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and I'm not sure when I trans. The only time I ever heard Robert, and it was frequently Roberto. Okay, uh, from your mother. I don't know what from, from my mother, <laughs> but I was in trouble. <laughs> that usually happens. And sometimes they added your middle name to it, <laughs> Robert Jerome. <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah, emphasize so we, share, we yeah. share a name. <laughs> we do. Yeah, De Leon. De Leon. From my father's side, um, which I get confused with uh, a lot of Delions work here in the in the pastoral center. Yes, yeah. Uh, so I'm always told if I associate with uh, any any it's of them. Lion like? No, not really. <laughs> um, it, I mean, the last name runs in in uh, in the Filipino, Vietnamese, uh-huh. and and Spanish culture. So it's it's really common. It's name. very common. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, you can leave. <laughs> well, we have you in today to talk about a wonderful workshop coming up. Yes. Prepare and Enrich. Building Strong Marriages. Boy, if that isn't needed today. It's definitely needed. Uh, and that's one of the things that we're urging um, our marriage prep coordinators or any couple who wants to help out in our marriage prep process to really become a facilitator. The Prepare and Rich is one of the uh, three vetted uh, inventories that we use in our marriage prep process. And we're ever since COVID, we've lost a lot of our uh, facilitators who lead that conversation. And as parishes are opening up and really establishing a, a, par- a, a marriage prep ministry at, at their parish, they're looking for facilitators. So we were in great need. Last year we had focus, and this year we're uh, focusing on preparing rich. It's a it's a slightly different format. Uh, I think it's a little bit more holistic compared to the to the previous inventories, and it's going to be in person this year. So it's one of the things that we're trying to urge people to actually come in person. Mm-hmm. The trainer, he's really energetic, engaging in the whole process, so you're not going to fall asleep. <laughs> There's a tendency of falling asleep virtually or dozing off. He definitely won't make you yeah. do that. You, you'll be engaged throughout the whole time. Well, you uh, know, it's interesting. We hear, we, you, you think, you know, COVID, uh, I don't know if it's ended. It's still sort of out there. But, but you know, pretty much in the rearview mirror. And, and I mean, I, I know just to the, the two big movies everybody's talking about, they said it's the first time since COVID that, that, theaters are just packed oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> you, you know and because that was one of those places oh man i don't want to go to the theater and you know 300 people sitting there and mm-hmm. somebody coughs and everybody runs out the door oh, you yeah. know and and 
but you you hear it with employment you know that it's it's people got used to either working at home or not working and employers are having trouble getting saying you know we need you we need you back in the office or we need you back on the front line or whatever the job is mm -hmm. yeah. and and i've really heard it with volunteers that just is just as you said uh in in a whole wide variety of of areas where where people couldn't volunteer i mean the, the, there was no activity to volunteer to and and but they used to mm -hmm. be volunteers and getting them back has been has been really difficult no it, it's been a struggle and many of them um recently when i found out even some key leaders have moved out of the state because mm -hmm. there's better opportunities or at least uh for their lifestyle in order for it to flourish right. it, it's hard here in california so that's one of the uh, things that we're struggling is fighting all these um uh, cons of trying to get the volunteers to come in and actually commit um we've tried to lower the cost as much as possible uh in order for it to be something that they could accessibly uh, mm -hmm. uh cover if not reaching out to the parishes if that's something that the parish is willing to pay a right. portion of it that's uh, if not, just give us a call too, and we'll we'll, we'll try to fit you in as well. Figure it out, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. The cost is a hundred dollars per couple, includes registration and materials. And one of the things that uh, we're trying to reduce the cost is also the fact that when you register, you get the materials physically, but you also get the online versions mm -hmm. as well. Uh, another area, another inventory is usually there's an additional cost. We're sure. trying to include everything in there as well, and um, if any couple who's interested, even the slightest, just have them uh, just call my office uh, and we can have a conversation of what that entails to be a facilitator. Because mm -hmm. I know being a facilitator for any inventory, it could be stressful, it could be intense, because we're talking about real life issues right. and conversations about marriage. Right. And maybe this is the first time that any engaged couple has ever talked about finances, having children. And they might have been dating for five years or maybe three right. years, but still haven't really right. had those conversations face to face. So this is one of the biggest and most um, complicated areas in, in ministry when it comes to the marriage prep process is to really get the couples together and talk about these issues and see how compatible they are. And if they're not, wh what can they do to compromise that mm -hmm. uh, in, throughout their, their married life as they're getting ready? And if those who are already married and are convalidating, to really just have those conversations again, and it might be another way of talking about issues that they thought they, they resolved five years ago or 10 right, years ago. Right. So it, it's, a, it's an awesome ministry. It's not the easiest sometimes, but it is a, 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 a joyful and a really awesome ministry. Yeah, to, I, to, I would to think that the, the ability to, to help couples um, is, is, it would be a wonderful ability to have. I can also see people seeing it as a daunting, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that this could be real difficult. Or I'm, I'm not an expert, you know. You don't have to be an expert. No, you but, don't. <laughs> but... Um, and, and that's why I think uh, the, the training is, is mm -hmm. it's so valuable. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, uh, what we're encouraging is couples to go through it. That way, if you could do it as a couple, it's ideal. Uh, but if not, at least you have another person who's gone through the process, and you can bounce out, uh, bounce back ideas or best practices, uh, and you get to know other people within your diocese that actually do this type of ministry. Uh, some of them are reevaluating or renewing their certification or they're doing this mm -hmm. inventory, but they've done other ones in the past. So it's a great way to network, too, as well, among the same uh, facilitators within our diocese as well. So does this lead to a cer certification? Yes. So at the end of the day, uh, it's a six-hour training. At the end of the day, they'll get a certificate uh, mailed by the trainer. They'll get all the supplies, access code online, because most inventories nowadays are done online. Uh, you could print down the version or you could PDF. And then that's when you start having a conversation with the couple. Um, he does everything. He does, does everything from the training all the way to how to access stuff online. Um, we're gonna, I'm pretty sure afterwards he's going to provide videos in case people still have difficulties accessing things online mm -hmm. he usually provides those additional videos as well um 
it's quite simple when it comes to the application aspect. And it just comes down to the facilitator in the parish. How do they want to deal with uh, the process? Ideally, in, in our marriage prep policy, we suggest couples and parishes to take the inventory first before going through the NFP or natural family planning course or any official marriage prep program that they have. This allows the conversations to actually spread out throughout their whole marriage prep rather than doing this at the last minute. And usually if they do it at the last minute, we're talking about maybe two or three weeks before the wedding mm-hmm. and these conversations, if they haven't really been been happening, it can be stressful for the yeah. couple. So we're encouraging couples to actually uh, help us to do this earlier, minimum six months prior, uh, or at least the first thing they do before doing anything else. So the, who, can you tell us, tell us a little bit about the facilitator of this? Yes. So Javier is uh, the facilitator for this training. Uh, him and his wife, they usually do um, uh, trainings on, on this uh, inventory. They also do marriage prep. They're originally from the Diocese of San Jose. They've been working there for, I want to say, maybe 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their own marriage prep program established and associated with the diocese. So they've done marriage prep for 20, 15 years. And the fact that they were called to do training the trainers is the fact that they saw how crucial and how important it is to have these conversations. And sometimes when you have a marriage, a marriage prep, it doesn't necessarily come up naturally mm-hmm. and the inventory does it intentionally based on individual so the fiance will fill it out and then this uh the partner of the fiance will fill the, the his own uh, inventory allowing that to actually uh formulate what the responses were and having the dialogue unbiased before the conversation for an inventory so that's the reason why uh, they went into it um and i know he has trained a lot of uh, marriage prep um, facilitators not only in marriage prep but also when it comes to therapy there's a lot of psychologists or counselors that have used this method in order to resolve issues and in marriage and in couples counseling so it's one of the things that he's been uh, really good at is expanding the inventory not necessarily just in the catholic realm but in all christian realm how can we better our marriages and address the uh, the issues of communication sometimes and the inventory allows that communication to really flow a little bit more by bringing a third person who's unbiased on the conversations of what what right. makes the, the 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 couple really tick and what is some of the issues that they've never really talked about or never thought about talking about it you run into couples that say well, we don't need marriage prep Yes, there's always a few that's, that mention that they, they've been married for 20, 30 years. It's fine. But at the end of the day, they, they usually either call me back or I hear back <laughs> from the parish like, hey, they actually liked it because yeah. we cover this and they never saw it in this perspective. So that's one of the things that usually not many will call you back, but at least the one or two that actually do, you get a sense marriage prep is meant for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it actually, as Catholics and as Christians, it really emphasizes the perspective of what is the sacrament of marriage. Uh, nowadays, we see marriage just uh, civilly getting married at courthouse, courthouse or the beach or in right. the park. It's a piece of paper, can be easily ripped. But when it comes to the sacramental aspect of it, I think that's one of the things that the world really needs now, especially with uncertainty of things. They really need something that won't be torn up easily. And I think that's where the bond of marriage really resonates on people when it comes to the marriage prep aspect. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, you're getting married on a specific day and at a specific place, but that's not marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the formal tying of the knot, if you will. Yeah. But marriage is a, a lifelong, it's, it, you know, it's a lifelong commitment for sure but you want it to be fuller than just a commitment mm-hmm. uh, you know you want it to be joyful you want it to be productive you want it to be holy you mm-hmm. want it to to be fulfilling um and um and, and uh, commitment's part of that for sure yes but it's it's like um you know 
people people say sometimes, you know, that, that we hear this with men, you know, you need to be a responsible father. Mm-hmm. You know, well, when you love your kids, it's easy to be a responsible father. You know, it's you, you don't it feel is. like it's a responsibility. <laughs> you feel like it's a joy, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it, it, I, I think yeah. mar- marriage prep can can let people know just what a, what a great sacrament this is yes and and the fact that um i f- uh, the way that i i kind of read our society right now they're they're looking for something more that transcends their human plane and i think the sacrament of marriage does that yeah um i know there's there's a fear to it i know i had i was afraid when i was going through the whole process of uh, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. How are our first two, three years going to be like? But it's it's then that process of trusting and, and understanding that the other person is willing to give their best version to you and vice versa and allowing God to fill in the rest. Um, there's joy in that. There's there's a sense of, wow, I, it it's easier than you think mm-hmm. from the beginning where it, it seems you're jumping into a, making a leap of faith not knowing what's to expect on the other side but it's 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 a wonderful experience as you're going through and usually what i do is day by day focusing on the little things being grateful uh being the best i can uh to my spouse uh it's it's something that uh, uh it's wonderful uh it could it could be hard sometimes there's always those moments but uh at the end of the day if you just put a little trust in god and if you trust that god gave you all the blessings and graces are ready to to go through the, those tough, uh, rough days and rough patches, and you'll make it. The uh, the training is uh, marriage preparation for marriage preparation coordinators. Uh, Saturday, August twelfth, uh, eight a.m. to two thirty p.m. at the Pastoral Center, which is twenty one ten Broadway here in Sacramento. Yes, in person. Um, you can register at scd.org backslash marriage prep or uh, contact Moises de Leon 916-733-0133. I, I think I hear your phone ringing right now. Uh, yes, uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, take us a little bit through the day, how, how, how that'll work. Mm-hmm. So we're going to st- uh, start at 830. That's official when the program comes in, uh, starts. We're ha- asking everyone to arrive around 8 o'clock for registration, for them to get the material, to uh, get situated. We're also providing light uh, breakfast, so if people want to come here straight away, they can. We're going to be providing lunch as well. But as as the program goes, it's going to be introductions, get to know what's why you're here, what's, what's the program like, and then we're going to break it down into four sections. First section is just getting to know a little bit about why we're here, as facilitators, what's our reasoning? What's what's our purpose? Uh, and that will help us in the tough times when they're actually facing uh, tough marriages or tough couples uh, when they're doing the inventory. Uh, and then it j- just goes through the section of what does the results of the inventory mean? And then breaking down the four uh, stages of how to apply those. Mm-hmm. Either you could do it, uh, do the inventory in a day uh, or let's say on a Saturday morning or Saturday evening, either breaking it down to five, six weeks. So there's different ways of applying and doing the, the inventory. It all depends on the person who's actually going to implement it at the parish and how the parishes want to uh, implement the inventory. And then at the end of the day, just going through the online portion, how to fill out the inventory, how to sign up, how to register with your code, uh, and having those codes be accessible for the couples who are going to come and see you. And then lastly, just best practices that he has seen, previous people have done in the past, uh, and usually any questions and answers at the end. So it's broken up into those four stages. Um, and usually he does it in a really dynamic way that there's never a downtime that no one's talking because mm-hmm. he forces you to talk and, and actually apply it to your life in a way that, that you can actually relate back or you can actually remember. And this is for couples. It's it's the trainings for couples, uh, but individual people can do it. So if mm-hmm. it's a deacon or a priest who wants to do it to us, well, we're open to any 
any person who's willing to be a facilitator. Very good. Uh, Moises, again, uh, 916-733-0133, or you can uh, shoot him an email at M De Leon. that's D-E-L-E-O-N, at SCD. Dot org And, of course, SCD stands for Sacramento Catholic Diocese. It's always easy to remember. If you just go SCD.org, mm-hmm. you can you can find all about the marriage prep. Thanks so much, Moises, for all no, you thank do. You, Bob. Appreciate uh, uh, you and everything that you, you bring to the diocese. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll talk with you again soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. Uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento, who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Sure by now God you would have reached down And wiped our tears away Stepped in and saved the day But once again I say amen And it's still raining But as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the God who 